the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Emma Branham. And I'm Craig Harris. Well, welcome along. Great to have you both here. Uh, Emma, maybe you can fill listeners in on where you fit into this world of journalism and technology. Oh, I love it when you ask that question. I'm a, a news and technology reporter for News Hub. And for people who don't know what News Hub is just yet, it's Three News and Radio Live combined now. So that's our new whizzy name. Um, I'm also a mum and I'm an absolute obsessive when it comes to gadgets like little robots. It's very true. <laughs> I have noticed. <laughs> and Craig, this is your first time on the show. You've yes. been uh, you've been a contributor actually to uh, to New Zealand Tech Podcast for well, a, for a number of years, yes. feeding uh, tips and bits, bits, and bits and pieces to me, but never managed to get you on the show before. But oh, no. something's changed. It has. Well, you know, long term listener, you know, first time caller. Uh, yeah, no, I've just joined up with Gorilla the last few months, and uh, no, I'm really enjoying the uh, the pace of things here. It's great. Sending lots of projects to get my uh, teeth stuck into. And uh, yeah, after hours, got a little family, you know, one and a three-year-old, and they keep me busy pretty much all the time. And uh, now and then I might have uh, just an occasional minute or two to work on something else, maybe some music, production, etc. outside of business hours. Cool, cool. Well, great to actually have you... Uh on the show rather than just feeding me uh, little tips and bits and pieces so uh, <laughs> Thank thanks, thanks for coming on well, well let's get stuck in um, now plenty of talk about uh, from Mobile World Congress it's been going on in Barcelona this week in Spain but first up a few other little little tips and news pieces I think it was about two weeks ago we chatted about iPhones being effectively bricked or destroyed by the dreaded Era 53 if they'd had the uh, the fingerprint reader button repaired or replaced in some way by a non-Apple authorised repair agent and that was basically destroying destroying phones after a software update. And the good news is it seems that Apple have found a workaround and those phones that previously people were being told were going to be permanently unusable by Apple are able to work again. Why am I not surprised by that, you know, with the whole talk of maybe there being a little sort of class action about to take place in the US? It, it's not at all surprising that they've fixed that, is it? Well, I think, it, I mean, probably only affected a very, very small percentage of users, but when you've got hundreds of millions of users, then even a small percentage uh, ganging up on you probably isn't a good idea. So it's kind of good to have that one sorted. Now, last week we also heard about a story about the $5 smartphone coming out of India. A smartphone for US $5 or or less, depending on what the exchange rates were, were doing. Now, this is called the Freedom 251. There were, I think, original reports that it was going to be uh, less than 500 rupees, which was not too far off, about 10 10 or so New Zealand dollars. And then the most recent reports coming out of India is 251 rupee price, which is, yeah, around that 5 US dollar mark. And now the the vendor called Ringing Bells is saying that it's got a 4-inch display, a 1.3 gigahertz quad-core processor, gig of RAM, 8 gigabytes of storage, 
a 3.2 megapixel rear camera and a 0.3 megapixel front-facing camera for the old selfies, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, uh, GPS, and of course a 3G mobile connection and running Android 5.1. Now, we're used to there being lower-cost smartphones, but a $5 smartphone, can this actually be true? Does it make sense? Can they manufacture it that cheap? Or must it be doing something in the background like popping ads all over the screen or stealing your data and selling them to ISIS or something? I mean, what's going on here? This whole story feels very, very strange, doesn't it? Not not only, you know, they're coming up with this whizzy cheap phone, but there's all sorts of accusations flying around now that they're, they're copying the likes of Apple when it comes to the phone's appearance and, and it's... I, I read somewhere that it's also got another a brand name. It's got Adcom or something written on the actual handset, and they 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 tipexed it out when they sent it out to people. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's very very odd. I mean, yeah, I read varying reports. There were mentions of there being two completely different designs of handsets that have been seen by uh, uh, by media. They've opened it up for online orders. I'm not sure that anyone actually has one of these yet. If they do become available, then we'll work out how to get our hands on one. But it. Yeah, Something does seem a little bit fishy about What do you think, Craig? It almost sounds too good to be true, really. I mean, to have something that cheap, there has to be a catch. Or it's a scam, or it's just vaporware, who knows. But won't eventually we be able to get $5 smartphones? One day, but still at the moment the components, you know, if you add it all up and take all the profit that Apple puts on top of it, it's no doesn't doesn't quite come down to no, $5. It's not in the same week. <laughs> $5 phone aside, what, what is the sort of cheapest smartphone around nowadays, do you reckon? I mean, I think we've seen we've certainly seen things under $50 from time to time, probably down to uh, $30 type price points. Often at that point, they're, they're locked, well, I think probably always within New Zealand, if you see that, they're locked to a particular network. So the phone is actually being subsidised by the network on the basis that it will bring in new connections and new ongoing revenue for them. Yeah, so, you know, that's, that's often a reason for a phone to be uh, super cheap. It might actually be costing the Vodafone or the two degrees, whoever's selling it, uh, more than that for them to buy the phone, but they, they want to get more people on their network so they'll offer the cheap handset. So I don't know. I'm uh, I'm I'm not so confident that we're going to receive one of these, which means I'm not that confident that we can actually order one uh, and that it will get d- delivered. But we will see. We'll keep we'll keep a watch on that, and we're certainly going to try and get our hands on one if such a thing is possible. I guess on the flip side, if it does end up being a scam, losing five US dollars isn't probably the most painful transaction in the world. Whereas if you get scammed from somebody on a five hundred dollar smartphone, mm-hmm. well. It's 100 times more painful, isn't it? Exactly. Well, I mean, there was there was an iPhone scam, I think it was it, earlier this year um, from Australia. A lot of people were saying, oh, this this offer on Facebook, wow, I can get a face, I can get a, an iPhone this cheap now, great. And it was all a big scam, really. Or they, they get tied into this massive, unreasonable contract mm. at the end of it. This, this, this particular Ringing Bells one, wasn't it supported by the Indian government? I think there was some tie in, maybe oh, they really? helped launch it or something. So mm. be a bit. Um, Oh, doesn't smell good at all, does it? You no, know, well, we, we, we will see. Um, but there's certainly, the information we've seen so far sort of hasn't had the, the sort of a huge level of depth to it. So, uh, yeah. Um, now, The Verge had a very cool um, picture on it of, um, well, what we're still terming a hoverboard. 
And uh, the app picture, their story is around the US government uh, cracking down on the sale of unsafe hoverboards, but a great picture of one of them bursting into flames, which, yeah, I wasn't able to stop watching. It's, uh, it's a little bit addictive. It's a great little loop, really. <laughs> uh, just one of those an- animated uh, GIFs, or GIFs, as, as some would call them. But, it, yeah, it seems like there, there genuinely is a real safety issue around these lithium-ion uh, batteries mm-hmm. that sit inside of not only the hoverboards but, but all sorts of other things. And, in fact, the other news that we've just heard is that the carrying uh, shipments of uh, lithium-ion uh, batteries sort of en masse on uh, passenger aeroplanes uh, is to be banned, I think, on, a, on an international basis. So. Wow. Uh, until they can actually resolve those risks around uh, batteries catching fire, and of course those who are, uh, who sort of follow what happens in the um, world of uh, aeroplanes might remember the uh, Boeing seven eight seven Dreamliner when that launched that there were a bunch of issues around the uh, lithium ion batteries mm, overheating, catching fire, doing something that you really wouldn't want an aeroplane to do. So. Uh, um, yeah, this this latest sort of crackdown, basically the U.S. government saying uh, um, unless certain standards are met, which it seems in most cases uh, by manufacturers of the hoverboards aren't being met, then they shouldn't be sold and should be uh, taken off store shelves. Mm. It's not a bad move. I mean, given the safety concerns around that, especially with the cheaper manufacturers, there's a lot of unknown quantities there. And, uh, yeah, the risk of something just like burning up on you as you... You know, zoom me down the street, it's like, oh no, my jeans are all burnt now. Oh dear. It's not a good prospect. No, no. Well, especially if, uh, well, if your jeans catch on fire, um, <laughs> you might not be able to put them out, Craig. Uh, <laughs> it's not just the damage to your jeans. No, Although, if they were your favourite pair, that, that be, might be your biggest concern. You'd be pretty but, gutted. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mind you, the likelihood of bursting into flames, I think you're more likely just to, to come off the hoverboard and. and Raise your knees yeah, or occasional take scrape. yourself out, yeah. Fall over and bump your head on the curb. That might not be nice no. either. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose it gives new meaning to the word, you know, burning platform. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, yes. So, well, I haven't. I've I've tried one of these out, uh, sort of really, you know, early on at CES. I think it was uh, last year before they were sort of broadly available, and yeah, it seemed like a cool idea, but. Uh, the reality of it, I guess it was so cool that a little bit like the fact that so many companies have jumped into smartphones and there's not too much technology required to make these things. Lots and lots of people have jumped on board and hence that's where things have probably come unstuck with uh, with quality standards and, and safety standards. So I, th- I yeah. thought you were going to tell me you had one tucked under your desk and you hover down Queen Street on it on a regular basis. No, no, no. No, I uh, I put on my cape and I, I fly into town. Um, Complete with the gorilla suit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, uh, Apple versus the FBI. This one's sort of been going around in the media the last few days. I've, I guess I've struggled a little bit with this to sort of just get the complete picture on what's going, going on. There have been a lot of different articles and each one seems to fill in slightly different pieces of the the puzzle and i can i can certainly see things from from both perspectives from apple's perspective you know they've got the fbi saying hey let us into this phone that we need to get data from um but then you know the 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 concern 
from you know from them and from owners around the privacy of their their data if Apple does go ahead and open this up. But then again, from the other perspective, in terms of uh, you know pr- protecting our our countries by um, being able to get access to to this sort of data and uh, you know, what the benefits that has maybe in uh, in fighting terrorism. There was a poll out, um, I think, recently, which said about 51% of Americans um, think that Apple should perhaps cooperate with the FBI on, the, on this particular case because mm. it is such a, a big issue. Yeah. Um, I, I, the, actually, interestingly, the article I found probably one of the best was one that Yuha uh, had up in, uh, on NZ Herald that came out on Tuesday, and he titled it Only Losers in the iPhone Backdoor Saga. Um, and he was highlighting that um, what the US government are, are really aiming for here, because they've got the phone, um, is they just don't want it to be wiped if they try too many you know, pin combinations. So mm. they're, they're, they're pretty much saying, look, Apple, you know, can you take it back, turn that capability off yeah, through whatever off. mechanism, then we yeah. can run 100 numbers or 1,000 numbers or 10,000, however many is needed to... Uh, uh, until until they get to the result, which I guess Apple could actually do at their end entirely. Then Apple could maybe change the software back to the original software and uh, hand over the pin. Um, so I think there's um, there's maybe been sort of posturing on both sides, and not the not the complete story, you know, always coming out in in most of these articles. And the ridiculous thing about this particular phone is that it was a work phone belonging to to Saeed Farouk so it may not even contain that much information and certainly not relevant Mm, information for the FBI and if it's a work phone you would imagine that that really comes down to the organisation and if the organisation says well we're happy for it to be um, you know cracked there's a there's a bit of a consideration there but I guess it's it's that feeling of hey once that once that door's open once Apple says yes this time although yeah. when we look back Apple have actually said yes uh, dozens of other situations in the past to um, retrieving data from uh, from iPhones you know once once they say yes on this occasion and uh, by the sounds of it create a, a variant of um, the iOS operating system then that could uh, could end up in the wrong hands if Apple don't control it well or. Uh, if the FBI are um, super cunning, which I imagine they are, um, I don't think the U.S. Secret Services are always known for uh, for being completely straight up with everybody. You've been watching all of those programs on TV recently, haven't you? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Any other thoughts on this one, Craig? You sort of stand on one side or the other. I can see where they're coming from um, in terms of getting access to the data that would, you know maybe give them a few more clues but at the same time it opens a huge door for everyone else to go me too and yeah it's it's going to open a lot of that sort of type of request for apple they'd be just inundated i mean although at the same time even if you did have the restriction limited um taken away um the amount of time it takes to crack a phone if you're talking like a complex password i mean even the last ios update saying you now need five characters instead of four numbers I should say mm. um, that adds on an extra amount of time and then if people start creating reasonably strong passwords you're talking like huge amounts of time and it's probably going to be you know password worth waiting for I, I read somewhere that it takes five and a half it would take five and a half years to crack theoretically to crack a, a four digit mm. password 
I can crack the screen on an iPhone in two <laughs> seconds. Does that count? <laughs> Is it tough enough? <laughs> um, well, the, you know, we talked recently around quantum computing, and if uh, you know that technology comes through, then uh, supposedly these things that you know we've kind of um, you know worked around from an encryption basis for a long time, all our assumptions would be irrelevant because we'd have so much more computing power that five and a half years might turn into. I, I don't know for how long. I'm going to guess five and a half seconds just because it sounds good. But, you know, these things could be much compressed down. And, of course, there's the cloud where we can slice and dice things up and spread them across, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of systems to uh, to carry it out. So it is a changing world. I don't have all the answers on this one, but um, I would be curious if uh, listeners want to uh, tweet us and share any uh, any comments or opinions now, this was a curious one. Hasbro are apparently in trouble for allegedly using pirated typeface in the My Little Pony products and publicity material. <laughs> this is a great story. Well, the reason I, I sort of picked this out is because I come, you know, come across so many ad agencies and design creative firms, and and certainly within uh, within a small country like New Zealand, where you know you've got the mix of the multinationals and then sort of the smaller independent ones, you come across varying sort of you know flouting of the the rules around uh, licensing, and and fonts are something that are actually quite expensive to license, so Very. it's quite common to come across uh, situations where. You know, a design is created, the font just gets sent off with the job to somebody who's not legally licensed to use it. And uh, yeah, in, in this case, it's um, it's turned into quite a big um, case where um, the uh, font brothers, who are the owner of the uh, the typeface in question, are really trying to um, take Hasbro to uh, you know to the cleaners over their use of the Generation B font kind of curious well normally yeah. it's the big boys coming down on the little companies for doing mm. things like that isn't mm. it so it's actually mm. quite nice to see the tables turn but yeah, i think um, the font brothers are asking for quite a lot to try and resolve this well they want destruction of the computer files hard drives solid state drives flash drives discs i don't know what they mean because they've already mentioned a whole lot of forms of discs there but um cd maybe floppy disks really uh cd-roms dvds and all other recorded media together with all other items but not limited to products goods merchandise uh, television and film properties and advertising materials which use their font uh, and also a damage damages at a rate of 150,000 US dollars per infringement amongst other things so yeah they're really uh, they're, they're, they're really going after them this will get settled out of court there'll be a nice yeah. big payout and it will all go away I wonder if whoever designed uh, this typeface, what they're what they're in for, what they will get. I mean, usually so much of it goes to the lawyers, doesn't it? In these cases, um, it probably pays to be a lawyer in the US. Probably not a bad business to be in. No, it's probably one of the best countries to be a lawyer. I'd say. Now, I guess Mobile World Congress sort of really is the big is the big thing of this week, isn't it? Certainly. Now, I've been playing around with uh, a few of the Samsung products because they tend to be the ones that uh, people are most interested in. They're also the 
uh, company with a big presence at Mobile World Congress and who are very active uh, locally in uh, in showing off their newly announced uh, products. So out of the companies that that did make uh, a big noise in... um, in Spain at Mobile World Congress, it's uh, Samsung have certainly made their presence known here with their uh, announcement of the Galaxy uh, S7 and S7 Edge, also with their new Samsung Gear 360, which is their uh, supposedly 360 degree uh, camera, which is a um, looks like a little ball, um, little eyeball, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. It's got eyes on uh, on two sides um, and designed for sort of capturing that sort of virtual reality footage, which. Uh, um, you know, you put on your th- your headset and you can look up and down and left and right and so on. You're looking at this, you know, one one big uh, video. Although the thing I notice about that is that a lot of the content doesn't seem to be 3D. So yes, you can look in every direction, but it's not 3D, which I would kind of expect mm. to be the case if you've got uh, if you're wearing a headset with that sort of a view. The 3D part of it, I would have thought, is is at least as important or yeah, maybe on a similar importance to the fact that you can look up and down and, and all around. I don't know. What what do you think about that three? I, s- I certainly think the three D experience when you're you know when you're immersed in a virtual reality headset should should it be three D or not? Hey, I mean, if you've got a headset on, you may as well chuck another camera on it and just be that much more immersed in the experience. Or does it give you too much of a headache? Well, you know, it depends on the person, really. You know, some people just even with the standard, you know, moving around, whoa, you know, motion sickness, you know. Not cool, but um, just standing up in a normal room, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> that's drinking, not, Craig. Not my, not that's al- like that's alcohol or or, or or other things that cause that. <laughs> Hang on, it was Margarita Tuesday, wasn't it? Apparently, yesterday in the states, heard something about that, but oh. maybe there's a tie-in. Maybe. And, and and Samsung's sort of been partnering up with Facebook on this as well, hasn't it? That's, that's right. I mean, not, with um, the uh, Star Wars movie, there was some exclusive around that back in uh, before the movie launch around there as well. Yeah, so, um, yeah, big type with Facebook. So um, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, you know, walked out onto the stage as, as, as part of the, uh, the launch there. So, yeah, there's some interesting tie-ups going on here. And, of course, these, um, these immersive-type videos, uh, you know, Facebook support, supports them, um, as does uh, Google. So things where you can sort of move around, change your point, point of view. Yeah, I'm still curious as to what will what will push this to the point where it's something that we all just you know want to wear um, a virtual reality type of uh, headset at the moment. Um, when they become smaller and generally less wacky looking, and you feel a little bit more normal instead of feeling like an alien when you put yeah. one on your head. The, the bit that got me because I, I tried uh, one of these immersive experiences um, at the, um, the the Samsung event uh, that they held in in Auckland on Monday. This one was was some sort of th- animated uh, film footage, and it was really cool in terms of just being able to look around in all directions and see things. But you realised well the downside of that is you can only see what's in the direction and. Actually, I quite like a, a normal movie that's uh, geared to show you what's important. So you're always seeing what's important, rather than uh, the fact that you might turn off and you know turn turn in one direction and miss something really important in the other direction. So uh, maybe that's a laziness aspect. Um, and I, th- I think it depends on the personality as well, because I definitely like feeling fairly sort of grounded in reality. Yeah. 
And those virtual reality headsets, they're fine for very short periods of time or if you're playing a really cool game or, or you're looking at something really interesting. But I actually don't like the feeling of, of being in, a, in another world, so to speak. Yes, it can make you feel somewhat uncomfortable or uh, uh, out of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, fair to say. Um, okay, so we've obviously got the new uh, Samsung Galaxy uh, S7, S7 Edge. Those are the, the two sort of flagships from Samsung. I've been having a bit of a play around the last day or two. Very nice gear. I mean, looks very similar to the S, S6 that we had and S6 Edge that we had last year in, in many regards, you know, from a design perspective and so on. But there's the nicety of bigger and better camera, uh, gone back to a waterproof uh, product as we had the previous year with the Galaxy uh, S5, which I think is is just fantastic to have that you know as standard without having to have sort of bungs and things and uh, blocking up the ports. That it, it's just uh, I guess they're using sort of nano coatings and so on to protect those things. Um, yeah, it seems it seems to work really well. And then the uh, sim sim slot that when you uh, when you eject it has room for not only a sim card but also a micro SD card. So you've got that uh, storage expandability. Good. Um, and it's so it sounds like they're doing similar to what we saw last year from uh, Huawei, where they did this in uh, uh, in their P8, where you've got a uh, well with that I think you had a second and sim slot. You had a second sim slot that could also be micro sd it was sort of interchangeable so you actually had two two uh, slots that would come out and i think what we'll see with the international the, yeah an international variant of the um the galaxy s7 s7 edge one of those will allow uh, two sim cards as well although we're not expecting to see that officially launched in new zealand so right. yeah nice to have that extra bit of uh, bit of storage but overall i mean very nice looking phone but not dramatically different um, from last year's design-wise, which I don't think is a bad thing at all, because I think uh, the S6 was a was an awesome design. You've still got that uh, uh, wireless wireless charging um, camera. They've dropped down from 16 megapixels to uh, 12 megapixels, but that seems to be a good thing as well, and that they're able to let in a lot more light. So uh, last year's uh, S6 had awesome camera for uh, for taking night shots and. Uh, images at dusk and and so on and um, the S7 will um, will supposedly improve that I haven't had a good heavy uh, play around with that yet and the uh, the one that I've got here in my hand is uh, is just sort of one of the the prototype or pre-release models so it won't be um, 100% accurate but uh, it does look pretty good so far and I'm not a big expert on cameras but it's some it's dual pixel isn't it so it's good for autofocus and for low light dual pixel mm. Apparently so. Okay, I, that term's not ringing a bell with me, but maybe I've uh, I've read it and it interpreted it a different way. That's, that's um, what Samsung told me. Dual pixel. Dual pixel. Mm, okay. All right. I see something about larger pixels letting in fifty percent more light or something like that. So yeah, it could be something around. Yeah, that. and it's a, a one point seven um, aperture, which is, um, is is pretty impressive on a on a smartphone. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, but overall very cool. Um, also announcements from uh, Huawei Android tablets. Their first Windows tablet, which uh, is quite curious that they're jumping in onto that bandwagon. Uh, LG with their 
their G5 announcement. Uh, that looks really interesting. They're taking quite a different approach from from the others with their sort of modular phone where uh, varying uh, add-ons like a, a camera uh, grip, which sort of reminds a little bit of um, yeah some of the um, smartphones we've seen in the past that sort of lean in that camera direction. We've, I guess, seen from Samsung um, some of the, the Nokia handsets that had that sort of camera grip type option. Um, but also some some other accessories like a um, uh, audio uh, hi-fi audio uh, DAC or digital audio uh, converter as a as an add-on. Now I'm not sure those will be hugely popular, but there'll be a segment um, that would be quite interested in getting that uh, high-quality yeah. audio out of the smartphone. Certainly, some parts of the market you know that take music seriously and, and want only the best. I can see them probably going, yeah, that could be an option. How about you? I mean, you're a bit of an audiophile, you're a music producer. Is oh, yeah. that, um, I, I is that pref- something would be sort of pushing your buttons? I just still prefer something about vinyl. It's just having that organic feel to it, and it's like, great, you got the, you know, you got the album Yeah, but you can't fit vinyl, vinyl in your pocket. You can't fit a, a, a record in your pocket, can you? And a, I know, but I mean... Mobile it's, uh, Technics it's a SL1200. A bit more personal, you know. It's just like, oh, I remember back in the day, that MP3 file, I think it was called something.mp3. I've got a vivid memory of that. It's, you just don't get that with you know, digital Ooh, files. Are you going to be one of those people that have gone back to cassettes? Or are you oh, one of those no, people no, that no. have gone I, back to I cassettes? Have, well, I do have cassettes in the house, but I haven't played one like, for probably 10 years. So. I do as well. I'm dying to get my hands on a, on a you know old cassette recorder and actually listen to some of it. Hmm. You can get them hmm. pretty cheap on trade me, I can tell hmm. you. As long as they still go, that's the only thing is like they long stop working a lot of them yeah yeah Paul's yep. looking very doubtful mm, mm, mm. <laughs> such you a can, modern man Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you can always get a uh, cassette to mp3 converter there's you know kits out there that let you rip all your cassettes if you're desperate for <laughs> yeah. something 20 years old yep um, we had announcements from HTC, which which look interesting. Although it, it's hard to know how um, how HTC's future is going to hold up. Sony, some quite interesting uh, bits and pieces there in terms of um, they've got a, an earpiece uh, that integrates with a digital assistant on your on your smartphone to um, uh, give you updates and bits and, and bits and pieces. Whether you need their technology to to do that, but it seems like their software is a, is a bit more geared to the fact that you've always got. Uh, maybe this Bluetooth headset in your ear, so you might get little reminders, and uh, you know communication just happen naturally because you're always able to communicate with your device without having to uh, maybe tr- you know trigger a button and and so on. And what else was there from uh, Sony, Emma? There was um, something that that looked a little bit Amazon uh, like, oh, looked they, like they the Amazon Echo a, a little digital bit. Ex- a digital assistant. That was in a sort of little speaker type uh, unit and a projector as well. And a projector and a camera that you wore all the time so that you could record every single step. A life recorder. The video of that, it looked pretty, um, well, overtly geeky in in uh, in the picture, in the video, didn't it? It did, and I think I'd get quite offended if I saw someone sort of, you know, wandering along with one of those devices clipped to their shirt. Live recording everything. Live recording everything. I'd think they were a bit of a pervert or something. I wouldn't necessarily think that they were just, you know, It's got that sort of Google Glass element to it, doesn't it? The um, glass hole sort of um, (laughs) thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The projector, on the other hand, that's pretty cool. I do like some of that in terms of the look there. A bit like what you can do with a projector and, you know, the, the right sensor, you know, from Xbox 360. You can hook that up with some third-party software and have a very similar experience. So it's good to see a bit more of that out there. But this is quite a small device, isn't yeah, it? And yeah, a lot you more can compact. do video calls and, and bits and pieces. Mm. 
Yeah, so I'm I'm hopeful we better get a hands on some of these these things uh, locally and maybe not in the too distant future. Um, HP with their X3. This is this is curious. So um, many years ago, uh, HP used to do something called a, a Windows mobile phone. I think they uh, they stopped that well quite a few years ago. Probably um, in fact, one of the execs I talked to at HP who was involved with their acquisition of Palm was telling me that he was, I think he was in a meeting with um, Microsoft sort of finalizing, uh, you, you know, signing up for the next version of uh, of Windows to go on their devices. And uh, when he got the announcement that uh, HP had bought Palm, now, of course, that didn't work out too uh, too well for them. And yeah, now they're, they're getting into a uh, what looks like the most high-end Windows mobile in the market. Looks very interesting. And it's designed to be able to um, sort of morph into being your uh, your PC or even your laptop with some sort of add-on components, but all driven from uh, the smartphone that uh, you know can can sit in your pocket and and then drive things. So I'm I'm very curious whether HP will be able to get traction with that or or not. Very squarely aimed at the business market rather than uh, consumers, but looks like a very very capable uh, phone. It's got a fingerprint reader on it as well as the uh, retina scanning to uh, authenticate you as a user so quite a lot of uh, yeah, reasonably high end tech in there yeah it's not bad it hasn't got like a 3D scanning of you like the uh, like some of the Surface does like the Surface product no I don't think we've got the three, 3D hard. camera scanning uh, yet in the mobile devices but um, yeah maybe the next Lumia right we will see. We will see. And a few other little bits to uh, to finish off on. Uh, 5G mobile networks. We're hearing that Verizon in the US, they're already uh, saying that they're, they're testing 5G technology. Not quite in a mobile uh, form factor yet. So they're not, um, you know, they're, they're testing it with uh, bigger gadgetry than that. I think they've got a, a van or something that's driving around that's testing out a, uh, a you know, a, a wireless mobile uh, uh, network. And uh, AT and T are touting that they're uh, they're going to be t- testing it soon, and then there are a bunch of players, uh, including Intel, who are highlighting what their next moves are around uh, 5G. So it might be that we see 5G mobile networks slightly sooner than we had anticipated. Um, last talks that I've sort of had with people have been suggesting more in the 2020 type uh, direction. I guess there are always companies that want to get the uh, bragging rights of of being first, so uh, maybe some of this stuff will come a a little bit sooner. Of course, there's a lot of standards to be worked out before that's actually uh, practical, and uh, you know, ideally you want standards set up so that uh, you can take your phone and roam around the world with it uh, rather than having completely different standards in every country, which we have a fair bit of issue with, I guess, uh, at at the moment with, with 4G networks. And a couple of little uh, local things. Two Degrees have uh, announced they've done a um, a, a, a deal with uh, Tidal, um, the musician-owned uh, streaming app and, and streaming uh, streaming service, um, to offer that uh, free for uh, for one year. Uh, I think that's to uh, to students. So details up on their uh, website on exactly what that uh, what that arrangement uh, looks like for those that are able to 
get it. I think it's for students that are on their uh, $19 carryover combo. It'll be interesting to see who's actually keen on that because I don't think Tidal's been doing that well, has it, in comparison to the likes of, you know, Spotify and and uh, and I guess that's why they're starting to do these deals to give it away because yeah. they they need to create some yeah. more buzz otherwise Definitely. it's going to be uh, something that, that gets killed off probably very quickly at the moment it's uh, must be co- costing uh, all the investors uh, a, a pretty penny to uh, to keep it ticking over uh, that said they do get some um, they've got some big names to help create uh, publicity for them right they have but I think they've got one million subscribers as opposed to I think Apple maybe has about 11 million and Spotify's got something like 20 million so they might have some big names behind them but I think they've got a while before they can um, Mm. put themselves in the same league as the rest very tough position to be in yep um, and you've got to be a Kanye West fan, and you know, there's only so much of that. Yeah. Well, if you want to get exclusive access, right? That's <laughs> that's that's what they're that's what they're offering. And I guess You're welcome the, to it. yeah, the, I think uh, I pay not to have exclusive access. <laughs> well, I guess the more artists that they that they can do that with, um, you know, the more subscribers they're just going to pick up off the off the back of it. So um, it it depends how many musicians sign up and. Uh, yeah, get on board with them. Um, and one other last story, which is somewhat New Zealand related, is um, Zero, who have had an incredibly good run in terms of reliability uh, of their service. We're hit today with an outage uh, for, uh, I think, probably between um, an hour and a half and, and, and two hours, somewhere in that sort of time frame. But they seem to be very transparent about it, posting online of you know what's what's going on. There were updates. I remember I looked in this morning, and they were, they were putting out an update about every ten to fifteen minutes or ten to twenty minutes uh, there with with what was going on before it came back online. And uh, you know, very quickly thereafter, they put an update on on what had happened in terms of a hardware outage that uh, uh, triggered some some software issues and so on. And um, th- they'll be investigating. So. Um, yeah, it doesn't look that great for them having an outage, but I do like they've been pretty transparent about it. Yeah, it's always refreshing when you have a business that's you know that honest with what's going on, rather than being very vague and updates very slow coming at you. It's it's a it's really good to see from from zero. Still annoying having the systems going down as uh, definitely as as happened for. Um uh, our office here but there you go that's the um, the nature of technology is um, at the moment it still isn't quite infallible but cloud systems are tending to get better and better that seems to be the case yeah yep. um, alright and yeah we haven't heard I think because they're hosted on uh, Amazon these days so we haven't haven't heard really where Amazon sort of fits fits into that, that picture um, but no, no doubt we will um, in the not too distant future get a, a further update well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you, Craig. Thank, Thank you. you, Emma. Lovely to be here as always. Now, where do we track you down online, Emma? Um, you can find me on Twitter at um, Emma Branham. So B R A double N for November, A M for Michael. You can tell I've done that quite a few times. Yes, you, you have. Um, and you can also find me at News Hub. Excellent. And Craig. Uh, you, you can find me on Twitter at Elusive Tones. That's E-L-U-S-I-V-E-T-O-N-E-S. Nice. Uh, and you might find a bit of stuff around some music been working on now and then and other bits of tech and all the rest. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks very much. Thank you. Cheers. The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Uh,